I'm Chad Rothermond. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, available in your grocer's freezer. Today, we're going to be talking about Only If, a game that was released in 2014 and was developed by Creability. Creability. Creatine. Creatine Powder. (laughs) It was the buffest game ever. Uh... No. So this game, uh, which is developed by that developer, uh, is a free-to-play indie game, and one that is not, I want to say, particularly great. I think that it has charming elements, but I think it is a great snapshot of what, like, this early 2010s like super low budget indie development space was all about yeah isn't this a solo dev it's not quite i don't think but it is close okay yeah it's pretty actually pretty impressive uh if you play it with that in mind but uh the first note I have written down is anime painting. Yeah, so no, yeah. if anything speaks to the game uh, not being that great, it's that one of the first visuals you see is uh, is an anime painting on the wall. This is true, and they also and they refer to it in game as an anime painting, even though it is just like a JPEG that's just mm-hmm. in the game on like it's a like a spray in Counter Strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a vector drawing. Yeah. <laughs> this game was, I believe, uh, made with the Source Engine. Or no, it's made in, it's made Unity. in Unity. Yeah, that's another note that I have, uh, is that I was shocked to learn that it wasn't made in the Source Engine because it looks like it was. Yeah, it 100%. And it also like kind of feels like it, but Source Engine games also have like certain... Uh, there's like a an aesthetic to them that I that this does kind of break from more than I think uh, most source games do. Ex- ex- for example, there is a section where you have a gun, and in that section <laughs> you also do not have a crosshair, uh, and source would just have that. Like that would be something that you would be. I- I'm assuming they didn't want to put the crosshair <laughs> yeah. layer over it. And that's that seems like a unity thing to mm-hmm. me, but I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, so this game is like an an indie first person puzzle g- game. Yeah, it's really experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, and I one of the first games we did on Pocket was Home, which was also a very experimental indie game. And I think this one is yet even more experimental than that. That one had more focus. And this one feels like it has, like, some core, like, concepts that it just kind of wanted to run with. And just kind of, like, formed a game around (laughs) it. And that game is only if. Yeah, so if you read through... uh any of the po- because the developer is so small they don't deal in things like press releases and shit like that so if you read the post that they've made on their like own steam pages and stuff they've since this game released another game that's called old tv and uh which is a great name also uh yeah. <laughs> just as a side note uh but a lot of what they talk about is how sort of like 
disappointed they've been in in only if and the like reception uh not and not just the reception but like the reception in addition to the game itself like they have like that creator thing where you look back on your old stuff and you don't like it as much as your new stuff Mm -hmm. uh at least that's the way that i interpret it based on my own sort of like biases that feels like it would make sense yeah and where whereas home was a game uh that sort of like it had a clear aesthetic vision and a clear narrative vision that mm-hmm. it wanted to expand on i think only if had a had a like a mechanical idea that i think is solid and maybe some aesthetics to go with that and it it spirals a bit but i think for the most part it stays near the uh, like the the it stays close to the ideas that it wanted to convey in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, the the things that I think it wanted to do uh, were specifically to take uh, the sort of outline of what you do in a game and bring in these outside elements that you don't see a whole lot, which is why I think the game leans naturally toward like a puzzle sort of atmosphere. A lot of games like this kind of do where it's less about mechanically executing on something, and we'll get into that, because when the game <laughs> requires you to do something that's very typically video gamey, I feel like that's where it's at its weakest points. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the places where it wants to do things that are super out there and are using even input methods that aren't typical of a game is where the game kind of shines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost... Like, if games weren't so time-consuming and expensive to make, this almost kind of feels like it could be, like, uh, like a project in, like, game design school. The vibe I really get from it is, like, each section, at least in the white pawn path, mm-hmm. feels like it's, well, what if we had the idea of, like like presenting narrative scenarios to the player and like seeing if we can have them like type responses back. And that's like what this little chunk of the game is. Right. And then it's like, well, what if we had it? So that was like a realistically dark area and we like, you know, had the, these little signposts and like a door to go to. And then we have like, you know, try and give them actual directions. Like go that way for six seconds and turn right. And then you'll find the next thing. Uh, and like, that's what the next section's about. Like there are these like questions or concepts I think you'd come up with when thinking about design. And each one of these is like a little vignette that like explores it, but like without that much like depth or like fleshing out. Yeah. I think, uh, calling it a vignette like calls back to what I think is a really apt comparison where they do kind of feel like each individual challenge feels like one of the little sequences in Edith Finch, but if you just stripped away like the budget and team experience that Edith Finch has, yeah, and just put it in the hands of one person, like as like a first or second or even third draft, I think only if has a lot of like cool ideas and good potential, but like is really far away from the amount of like testing it would have to go through to give you like a polished product. Yeah. And then I think Unity's sort of like in-house 
uh, like movement and stuff requires a lot of sort of fine tuning to get it to feel right. And it causes a lot of problems mechanically. Yeah, the physics aren't great. Yeah, the fact that this game has, at minimum, that I can remember, two distinct platforming sections yeah. is maybe a little bit too much <laughs> for this game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it, only, uh, it, yeah go ahead. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, <laughs> like the lack of polish really stands out. Like if, you're, if you go into this like not knowing anything about it, like if you just found it on Steam somehow, which I think pl- is what happened yeah, with and, us, and you played it like blindly, you'd probably be disappointed in it. But I mean, it is free, and then with the knowledge that like it was such a small like indie effort, I think you'll you'd be a lot more forgiving on it. You know, it's like it's of two minds on it. Like I teeter back and forth between those perspectives. Yeah. I think if you, because that's sort of what happened with us, except we didn't really get disappointed. We went in with no expectations, and I think we're both just kind of enraptured by the interesting things that it was doing, that we it was a lot easier for us to overlook the less interesting, less good things. Yeah, and I've probably come off more critical on it now because we're doing an episode on it, but yeah. like if you just find, like, this is a cut above for, like, a free... 3d game on steam like you did like yeah like the two of us look for weird obscure games to play on occasion and this fit the bill for us pretty well yeah it's short too like i think i had three and a half hours on it as a uh like before i started this and that cannot possibly be like a straight through playthrough because this time around unless we got like really hung up on something uh, I got through one path of it in, like, just just under an hour, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I think answers to, like, puzzles and stuff kind of sleep in your subconscious. So you're able to, like, recall the answers on a second playthrough, even if it's been, like, years. And, yeah, like, our first playthrough, I feel like we didn't look anything up. Yeah. So, yeah, we probably beat our head against a few things. A few things are pretty hard to figure out. That's true. And some of it is because it's legitimate, like, puzzle design, and other ones are because it's, like, uh, maybe a little bit needlessly obtuse. Yeah. Also, I feel like we were playing with a Steam controller. I think we tried. I, I There's no way that we could have typed anything in. With but, it. yeah, I think you, like, went up to your room because <laughs> we were in your parents' basement. And you went up and you typed something in. <laughs> and, came back. and then texted what? me, like, did anything happen? <laughs> one of those is on a timer, so there's no way. True, the first one is. I, I yeah. used to have a US... This is, like, this is not related to the game. <laughs> uh, but I did used to have a USB keyboard that we would have, because that's how we played Harvester the first time. Okay. is with that keyboard on the, one of those TV trays that was, like, slightly too tall for the couch. Right. So you had to, like, get that indentation in your wrists as you, like, lift it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is like within <laughs> five years nostalgia right now. Like I don't know, I don't exactly know how to describe that. Yeah, it's for some reason I felt like we played it with a controller, but I might be wrong. But uh, you, we bring up that section though where you, it's it's one of the f- first couple I think before it branches even, uh, where you're in the study or whatever it is and you had to go up and turn the radio on mm-hmm. and then he tell like Vinny's like talking about how he's going to kill you. He's like the like antagonist 
character, I guess, if you want to call him that. Yeah. Uh, and he starts talking about how he's going to kill you, and he wants you to tell him what, like, what what bees make or something. Like, what, yeah. It's really weird, and you have to type <laughs> in honey. And, like, even on this playthrough, that took me, like, several tries. It only gives you, like, five seconds to respond. Yeah, because that's really what it was for me was that I didn't remember that you had to type anything. Uh, so I knew what he wanted me to say over and over again, but I just didn't know how to, like, produce it for him. Right. If you run around in the room, there's actually, like, a painting on the wall that changes into the text, like, type it in or something. Oh, yeah. Which is heavy-handed but necessary at least for me because i was being a little dense at the moment yeah um because i was confused because he says like he says tell me something sweet yeah and then he tells i think he says also though like tell me something like what sweet bees make or something like, tell me what do bees make or yeah, yeah i thought he was wanting me to to type sweet love <laughs> For some reason, because <laughs> my first thought was honey, but then he just keeps saying stuff. Right. So yeah. I think they might have overwritten that part of the script because it threw me off. There's a there's an amount of overwriting <laughs> that you can do and have it be called overwriting, and then you have what this game is, which is like I don't even know. Called like uh, just to like branch off of something here, and I don't know how long we want to go on about this. Uh, but the writing in this game varies a lot from being, like, okay uh, to sometimes good to sometimes, like, just very bad. And to even call Vinny an antagonist is kind of questionable, and mm-hmm. only because of the light that the last scene ca- casts him in. But even then, like, he's definitely an antagonist. It's just, like, maybe he was doing something that made sense <laughs> at some point to him. And, like... It really fucks with my whole perception of how I'm supposed to read this game. The way that I choose to read this game is that the narrative is inconsequential. Um, because if you if it is consequential, then the mind boggles. <laughs> because, like, at, at first, right... We have there's a scenario in like the first couple of minutes of the game in which there's a I want to say ill-advised usage of the n-word, which I feel like is like maybe like if I was talking to somebody about this game, <laughs> like we were saying earlier, I would be like, yeah, it's totally worth like your time or whatever, and then I would say, however, there is one pretty ill-advised usage <laughs> of the n-word <laughs> that maybe you should look out for. Uh, just as fair warning, because it took me off guard the second time, uh, and then the uh, but then when we're talking about it now, I feel like I have to go a little bit more in depth uh, on the quality because I think it is a fine game, but not uh, super great. But then the other thing is, you get that and you get all the sh- other shit that Vinny says that is like questionable at best as far as like how seriously you want to take the character. Mm -hmm. And it seems like with him being played as the antagonist, it is okay to kind of treat what he's saying as like not authoritative in any way, uh, because it makes sense. Like the person who's antagonizing you is obviously going to try and like mislead you. They probably want to cast them in a bad light, but then at the end of the game, they want to flip it on you and be like, now he has like some rationale behind what he's doing and they throw in this whole like 
you fucked your sister thing, which feels super out of place. Uh, especially considering how little of a character Sam plays over the course of the whole game, basically being nothing but a voice uh, that says like three words until the very end. Uh, yeah, I would actually, if my memory is correct, I feel like the ending paints Vinny in even more of a <laughs> antagonistic light because the impression I get is that the party that you went to or Anthony, the main character went to was a setup so that a bunch of people would come over and they could get one of them to test the drugs on. Mm -hmm. So that's like beyond morally dubious. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't. (laughs) At no point do I think he flips to being a protagonist. Well, yeah, I think that he, he gives rationale and it makes you have to consider him as a regular character. And I, I don't think that his character is up to that challenge. No, uh, but uh, to... but you are one hundred percent right. <laughs> yeah. This is fucked up yeah, and yeah. weird. I get what you're saying. Uh, but to to comment on the dialogue, um, I think pretty much every single piece of dialogue written for Anthony is terrible. <laughs> uh, and the voice actor doesn't seem like a professional voice actor but he's trying his hardest to make it not sound bad he was the developer so yeah oh yeah well props to him (laughs) he probably should have written himself better dialogue (laughs) Uh, because it really sounds like the he feels like it's bad and is trying to deliver it well i get that vibe from it yeah um it's kind of like watching titanic if you go back and watch that some of the dialogue is terrible and just Kate Winslet is just <laughs> trying so hard to make it not sound terrible. But, um, and I actually think a lot of, like, in the vignette, dream sequence parts, whatever you want to call them, uh, Vinny's dialogue actually, like, feels okay to me. Mm-hmm. Like, his character is so over the top and outlandish that the weird dialogue feels okay. Mm-hmm. But, so I think it kind of works there, but overall it's not very good (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean because Vinny himself is written as that like like a caricature of the like scorsese mob boss character or like mob enforcer guy probably not the not the don here this is like just some mook yeah and uh he uh, like the it's it's written well enough in that in that over the top way that it sells the goofiness of it and his voice actor delivered the lines with the admittedly not very hard to achieve like extremely uh like way over what is necessary enunciation of everything mm-hmm. very campy yeah super campy and i think that all works that he does get like really verbose but it, it reads as being part of his character because like he continually does it through the whole game uh and but that's about like because the dialogue and the narrative do are separate like you can judge each of them in a different way and i feel like the little pieces the dialogue mm-hmm. tends to be pretty all right. And then the other half of it, the part where it's supposed to come together and tell me something is where it falls down. Yeah. Like the actual like whole narrative of like what happened to Anthony 
actually is like the most juvenile like <laughs> attempt at a plot that you could have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll give him that it isn't predictable, but it's because you <laughs> wouldn't predict something that like stupid. <laughs> oh god. Okay. I think I don't know if you had anything. There is. I guess we could mention that there's there are two paths, two narrative yeah. and mechanical paths in the game. That's one thing I wanted to bring up is that the white pawn path is way better than the black pawn one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't remember it that way. Like I remember the two things I remembered the most were the shooting the pots with the gun. Yes. Which is weirdly memorable. I'll give that to the game. Uh, I actually, I have a few things on that. Okay, so we'll come back. Yeah, to we'll it. come back to that. But I also remembered the house. Yeah. So like, like the I remember, basement yeah, scene. I remembered something fairly strongly from both paths but the first or the black pawn path where you're basically just escaping the house like just leans into all of like the worst parts of the design of this game where i think this game's at its worst when there are like unclear fail states that are trigger really quickly yes um the worst part and of the inconsistently g- also yeah the worst parts to me are the part in the study I brought up where you have to type in a response, it gives you like five seconds to do so before you get shot. And then also if you take the black pond path, you have to do this part where you like limp through like towards the house and like black fog or whatever (laughs) comes at you. And you have to like, you're supposed to mash the E key and you don't Mm -hmm. know, like it keeps getting you and you don't know why. Yeah. And it's like, it's weird because if you get caught by the black fog, it'll restart you at the limping part. But if you get, if you black out or just sometimes when you get caught by the black fog, it'll send you back to the boat or whatever, the, in the coffin. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why are there two different checkpoints here? It, that never happened to me. Actually. That happened several times. That's huh. why I stopped playing this most recent <laughs> time. I was like, I've done this before. I don't need to go on. Uh, but then it goes from there into the basement scene, which is kind of tedious uh, and not very exciting, and leans pretty far away from the things about the game that I do enjoy. Yeah, like there's a lot of like you go and do a thing, and that'll just make something appear somewhere, and there's no like clue. So you just have to like aimlessly kind of wander around, <laughs> right? So let's say it's a lot more choppy or like just rough mm-hmm. in that in that path. And there's two like whole sections that are set in that same sort of like yeah. Area. And you have to do that weird uh, part where you have to like pull the lever and then run and like jump over the gate before <laughs> it closes, like. That is not the kind of thing that you want to do in a game with a mouse and keyboard. Like, that just doesn't work well. Maybe not for you. I feel like that... I might be in the minority, but I think that kind of stuff is, like, really awkward with Waz in mouse controls. Yeah, I felt like moving around in that kind of a fashion was fine for me as somebody who plays, like, a lot of PC games, or at least used to. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile... If you had, like, a Resident Evil, like, quick turnaround button, it wouldn't be so bad. Sure. Uh, I found the sensitivity in this game to be, like, way too high, but maybe I'm it's my mouse, possibly. Either way, totally unrelated. 
uh, or totally related, I should say. <laughs> the thing that I felt really difficult to do that I think is difficult with a mouse and keyboard as compared to a controller and in first person is platforming, which this game requires you to do a couple of times, which are really kind of a negative element of the the uh, the black pond path or the white whatever you want to call it. Which mm-hmm. path are you are you saying the one that you burn or the one that you don't burn? What? How are we defining the paths? Oh, the the black pond path is the the house. And the white pawn path is the one with the the pots. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, in the white pawn path, uh, there's a just devastatingly irritating segment where you have to go up the spiral staircase mm. and then jump across some floating physics objects. And the spiral staircase is dull and easy, and then the uh, floating objects are impossible to land on and slippery like they're made of ice they're very small and yeah i think which is probably what is making me think slippery because i'm like backing off of Mm -hmm. them you're trying to adjust and then just falling off yeah and it's so i hate that you have to go up the stair it's like running the nightmare headstand like (laughs) 10 times you have to go up the stairs every time that you fall off and i like when I was playing, I was like, man, I wish I had the context of getting over it with Bennett Foddy <laughs> when I played this the first time, because I definitely would have been, like, maybe slightly less irritated uh, by it, by being <laughs> like, well, it's not the worst imaginable, uh, so at least it wasn't designed to be this <laughs> th- this irritating. Uh but then the other one is that pot thing, and I really have a soft spot for that pot thing. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the first time we played through this, I remember that taking forever mm-hmm. and being like fairly difficult. But this time I did it pretty easily. But I once it's because I knew the shtick this time. But yeah, it is it's really weird. I think it's one part's like the environment uh and the other it's it is kind of a neat idea. Uh so basically what happens is you're in this big open area with all these, like, basically, like, giant pillars. Like Roman pillars. Yeah. Um, and there Greek are these... Pillar? I don't remember uh, which... Greek architecture. Okay, I was close. I mean, never mind. <laughs> Not here to talk about architecture. Um, and you have, you've been given a gun. You got a gun right before this. Mm-hmm. You were dropped into here. So you've got a gun now. Which feels really out of place when you first get it. And looks really out yeah. of place. And uh, there are these green pots scattered on, like, from here and there on these pillars. And you, you shoot them, and then they have this, like, glowy aura that you absorb. And it lets you jump higher and farther. And you build it up gradually enough to where, like... You, it's like a, just a platforming puzzle. You have to find the path. You have to get every single pot, or you won't be able to jump high enough to get all the way to the end. And the the, the thing that sticks out to me the most is how so, like the intended path leads you along these like weird <laughs> walkways that like feel like they're not where you're supposed to go. It's like, yeah, like the we said lack of polish yeah and this is one of the ways where you feel like you're you're not going the way you're supposed to but it, nope 
Yeah, it's weird there because... There are still pots sprinkled through here. <laughs> yeah, because if you can imagine the pillars as being, like, flat top, and then they come down, they, like, n- at an angle, narrow down, and then have these decorative, mm-hmm. like, lumps on them. And you have to walk on the lumps between the lump and the, and yeah. the flat part. But... That necessitates you when you get off of them again to cl- like clip awkwardly. Yeah, <laughs> you the like wall. bump into the. Yeah, but there's no collision there, so it's just like this weird. It just looks weird and feels weird. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like the right thing to be doing. Yeah, and they're they're huge pillars, and they have like a lot more detail even than that, like different little ridges for you to like jump up. And it's like a surprisingly like long sequence. It is shockingly long. But, like I said, I have a soft spot for it, and it's for two reasons. Uh, the first really specific one is I actually really like the concept of, like, just abstractly, not necessarily in this game, but, like, as an idea. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea of, of, like, progressively being able to jump higher as, like, a, a meter that doesn't, it's not like jump level one, jump level two, and then at level two, that's the highest you can jump in the whole game. It's mm-hmm. like 100 different levels of jumping. Like, for some reason, that, like, really appeals to me because, like, it would make a game... Like, you can make an entire Metroidvania based on just <laughs> that alone. I feel like it would be too hard for the player to be able to tell how what height of jump they have... I mean, you're it's, completely it's, right about that. Yes, to compare it to Dark Souls, like we do with everything, mm-hmm. it's like the agility stat in Dark Souls Two that they added, where you can level that up, and that changes the speed of your roll. So you have to like adapt to the faster roll every time, and it ends up just kind of being like not worth investing in. Right. And I agree to some extent. <laughs> I don't agree about adaptability because I think that it is... Oh, is that, is that what it's called? Uh, what did you call it? Agility. It actually might be agility. I forget. I, yeah, I don't remember. I yeah. never touched it. I think that set is a cool addition. I think they handled it in kind of a clunky way, but this isn't the Dark Souls 2 <laughs> podcast that we haven't done yet. Uh, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Only if. Uh, <laughs> I think I think you're right, and I think there's some fine-tuning that could go into it. But I actually think this hits pretty close to what you would want. Is just like it's, something where it's so gradual that you're just able to do things. Right. I think it works because it's just a linear path. Like if you freed it up to just like a first person 3D platformer, I think this would be a disaster. <laughs> uh, you would never know what, what you could jump to. Yeah. But this, you have to like reduce the fail state. <laughs> yeah. There. Like, yeah. Maybe uh, Prince of Persia it a bit, like let you just <laughs> yeah. go back to the beginning. Yeah. But and then I feel like that would be just trial and error of the video game. <laughs> There's fine too. I think it could work. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. Maybe. Uh, but I'll uh, I'll leave that for somebody who's <laughs> who, better at this kind of shit than I am. Uh, mark that that'll be a game in the future. That's my prediction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The other thing, though, that I like about it, it's just green pots, man. No, uh, <laughs> I just love green pots. No, um, the thing that I, the thing that I do like about this, and the thing that I like about a lot of the areas of this game, particularly in the white path and not in the black path, is 
just otherworldly surreal environments, mm-hmm. which I think this game does pretty well, and I think is like a strength of indie games that yeah. not enough of them take advantage of yeah i feel like i always compare anything that's surreal in this kind of way to alice in wonderland but it gives me that vibe like pretty strong yeah it's kind of like they were going for sort of a needlessly uh profane alice in wonderland it's like because it's got that imagery of the clock and the ponds that kind of feels very alice in wonderland and it's like that element of like the mundane real world things appearing in the fantasy world in an unexpected way. Like it's definitely got that going on. Yeah. And I also really like in the, the pot area where there's like, there's like these like Ruby, like tear shaped crystal things just kind of like cascading down, but only in like this one spot, (laughs) which was your goal, but they're not falling for any like, in-universe discernible reason Mm -hmm. they're just sort of there (laughs) it's yeah it's a weird way of signaling but it does look cool they're they're there at like the halfway point like Mm -hmm. there are some that's like not at the goal that they're just kind of like hanging out and Uh, it's just like what what's up with that (laughs) (laughs) just some nice uh scenery there's a couple of a couple of ruby teardrops yep went through the effort of making those so (laughs) Just put them in here too. Well, that's the thing because this is part of the thing that I like about this is that I feel like it's a very creative use of like asset shop stuff. I feel like things got put in here that were just like they just took them and said, "What like this is how we make this part," and they put them into realistic environments, which I think like worked. Mm-hmm. But then I think that they excel when they're placed in like abstract voids yeah uh, the uh the cool. one that stands out a lot is the slot machine like that definitely came off of an ad set store yeah like, you can just tell well, the the part of it that really screams came off of an asset store and didn't have any uh <laughs> alterations made to it is the fact that the entire purpose of that whole section is to collect a coin to then put right. in the slot machine. And on the slot machine, it says, play two coins. Like uh, I didn't <laughs> even notice. You don't even have enough coins to play on the given slot machine. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is. An, and, and I kind of liked its inclusion, even though it's a little stupid. Yeah. I just It just looked interesting in the way that it was, was presented. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to mention was, like, Way earlier in the conversation, you said that you didn't remember you had to type things into the game. And I had kind of the opposite thing, was like, that was the one thing I really remembered about the game. Because I remember getting on, we were on the White Pond path and getting to like the park area. Mm-hmm. And it, you get, you pass by the clock on the bench and you probably didn't even notice that that's what triggers this. But like, it just says, hey. And then you have to type back, hey, like you have to like respond to it. And for some reason, like that's like a really strong memory in my mind. Just like thinking like, I just respond and then it worked. (laughs) Right. Uh, That was just like a really cool moment. I I think that's one of my favorite things that this game attempts. Like the idea of like actually that kind of interaction in a game is an idea I think is really interesting and would like to see experimented with yet even more yeah i think it was on way back on the earthbound episode i want to say uh we talked about sort of like 
where and when the fourth wall break is an effective tool uh, and how, like, it feels kind of overused. Mm -hmm. I feel like in a situation where a game is about that, it works a lot better than when it's thrown in for shock value. Right. And I think that there were enough places in the game where the, in, in Only If, where the game sort of turns it back and says, like, you are now sort of you and not mm-hmm. necessarily the character. Because, like, uh, Anthony obviously is not, like, one of the characters from Typing of the Dead who's <laughs> walking around with a Dreamcast with a giant AA battery and a keyboard strapped to their chest. Right. So, like, I imagine that, they, like, they're not attempting to imply that. Uh, and I I like the inclusion of it where it is because it... It's enough that it makes you sort of like have to bring yourself out of the game, which lets you look at it a more in a more meta contextual sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes the game work a lot better than the literal context that right. it's giving. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's speaking directly to you in that part. Mm-hmm. Especially when it like blacks the screen out mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it takes it takes everything else away. Yeah. The, the, the whole forest section, I thought, was good. Or park, whatever, yeah. that section. Yeah, I, that's one of the more memorable parts for me. And I would say probably it's to the developer, too, because it's in the thumbnail. Yeah, this is true, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I got. Yeah, I think that is all I have as well. So if we don't have anything else, do we have final thoughts? Yeah, I guess... My big takeaway from this is I really like and kind of respect, I guess, the game for being as experimental as it is. Like I, I like some of the concepts. Like I was just talking about how the idea of like, ta- like communicating with the player and actually having them write back, and the idea of like having actually dark areas in games is always intriguing to me, and I like that it plays with that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it is lacking in, you know, polish cause it was a, such a small team. Like it, 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 even if you go in knowing that this, I think will still leave you kind of wishing things were a bit more fleshed out, were a little bit smoothed over, but like overall, I do think it's an impressive effort and it, it's memorable. Like I, it's a game I've remembered and, and like, fondly enough that i wanted to do it for the podcast so i mean that's something yeah uh currently this game stands at like uh about a cool 50 percent as far as like user reviews go on its steam page um and i don't necessarily think that's wrong but i also think it's necessarily a little bit weird to critique uh particularly in a negative way a game that is very is like so clearly at like a first effort kind of game mm-hmm. and yeah the fact that it's free i think yeah really like <laughs> everyone needs to knock the inve- their expectations the investment down is so small on your part it's short and it's free yeah <laughs> it's, it's like not even yeah this is a this is a blip if you don't like it and it could be more than that mm-hmm. uh i think that this game really should have embraced its weirder elements uh and cut back on sort of cut back on the amount of content and put more on actual development obviously they've now made another game that's been way better received uh and but has a much more straightforward concept uh so they've moved on from this 
Uh, however, I I do want people if you've been if you listen to this, uh, and you think. Wow, that sounds like maybe an uh, an unpolished cool thing to like look at other games that are from this era and like have a similar sort of like development because there's a lot of weird cool shit out there and I feel like this was sort of one of our entry points into that mm-hmm. and I have to appreciate it for that even if it missteps in a couple of places. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Device 6, uh, a mobile game from Simogo, who were the developers of uh, Year Walk, if you happen to uh, catch that episode. If you didn't, I re- totally recommend it. Me too. It's a good game, good episode. Uh, hashtag good game, hashtag good episode. Uh <laughs> G-G-G-E. But this one is more puzzle-focused. Well, I guess the other one was a puzzle game as well. But this is like a very text-based game in more ways than one, and we'll discuss that later as as we come back to it. Until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. Uh, where you can find links to our old episodes, our email address, Twitter, YouTube page, and a link to our now not all that new Discord, uh, where you can talk about this game, other games, or maybe even third games. You can talk about red game, (laughs) blue game, game fish... And you can submit <laughs> levels game. to uh, our Mario Maker submissions thread, which currently has zero levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just me and Chad. <laughs> I, I just don't think a lot of the people on our uh, Discord have the game. Apparently not. But if you join and do... We'll we'll like your level, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get those maker points, right? Yeah. See, we're collecting data on our fan base because mm. Bloodstained came out and they all got that. Yeah. Mario Maker came out crickets. And I think our our episode this selection was gonna really reflect our market research. Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh yeah. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Only if I could. Be alerted to when new no clip episodes come out. Oh wait, you can yeah. ring that bell. Yeah, ring that bell. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. That was the best I could do. You can talk about this game, the next game, or some unrelated games. You can talk about these games, a baseball game, the Game Boy Color.